Salute omnes, welcome to the AP Latin Podcast. The goal of this podcast will be to cover the lines from Caesar's De Bello Gallico and Virgil's Aeneid that are found on the AP Latin curriculum. Each two-part episode will cover a selection of lines from Caesar and Virgil. I will present the Latin and English of the text, providing relevant clarification, background, and cultural information that will help put the readings in their proper context. I encourage you to read along with me as you listen to the Latin and to use the English as a way to check your understanding rather than relying on the English for understanding. Each episode will conclude with some essential questions to consider as you process through the meaning of the text. Parati, eamos. AP Latin Podcast, Episode 3A, De Bello Gallico, Book 1, Chapters 4 and 5. In this episode, you will learn that it's better not to get caught in a conspiracy to become sole ruler of Gaul, but that the whole migration plan is still a good idea. Eares est helvetiis per indicium enutiata. Moribus suis orgatorigem ex winculis causam dicera coegerunt, damnatum poinam sequi oportebat ut igni cremaretur. Die constituta causae dictiones orgatorix ad judicium omnem suam familiam ad hominum milia decim, undique coeget, et omnes clientes obairatos que suos quorum magnum numerum habebat, eodem conduxit. Per eos ne causam dicaret se eripuit. Cum civitas ab eamrem incitata, armis ius sum exequi conoretur, multitudinemque hominum ex agris magistratus cogerent, orgatorix mortuus est, neque abest suspicio, ut helvetii arbitrantur, quin ipse sibi mortem consciverit. Post eos mortem nihiluminus helvetii id quod constituerant facera conantur, ut e finibusuis exeant. Ubi, iam se ad amrem paratus esse arbitratisunt. Opida sua omnia, numero ad duodecim, vicos ad quindringentos, reliqua privata aedificia incendunt, fromentum omne praterquam quad secum portaturi erant comburunt. Ut domum reditionis spes oblata, paratiores ad omnia periculos sobeunda essent. Trium mensum molita cibaria sibi quemque domo effera jubent. Persuadent raracis et tulingis et latabrigis finitimis, uti eodem usi concilio opidis suis vicisque exustis, una cum eis proficiscantur. Boiosque, qui transrenum incoluerant, et in agram noricum transierant, noriamque opugnarant, receptos ad se socios sibi ad scisquunt. This thing was announced to the Helvetians through an informant. By their customs, they compelled Orgatorix to plead his case from chains. If condemned, it was right that the punishment follow that he be cremated by fire. On the day appointed for the pleading of his case, Orgatorix gathered to the judgment from all sides all his family, near 10,000 people, and all his clients and debtors, of which he had a large number, he brought together at the same place. Through them he rescued himself so that he would not plead his case. When the tribe, enraged because of this thing, tried to carry out its law by weapons, and the magistrates compelled a multitude of men from the fields, Orgatorix died. Nor is the suspicion absent, as the Helvetians think, that he himself brought death upon himself. After his death, nevertheless, the Helvetians tried to do that which they had decided, to exit from their borders. When they thought that they were now prepared for the thing, they set fire to all their towns, numbering near twelve. 
their villages near 40, and the remaining private buildings. All the grain beyond what they were going to carry with them they burn up, so that with the hope of a return home removed, they would be more prepared for undertaking all dangers. They order each person to bring from home for themselves three months of ground grain. They persuade the Raraki and Tulingi and Latabrajis, their neighbors, to depart together with them, having used the same plan, with their towns and villages burned. And the Boyi, who had dwelled across the Rhine, and had crossed into Norican fields and besieged Noria, they joined to themselves, having been received to themselves as allies. In this section, Caesar continues his brief and detached description of Helvetian politics. Again, reading behind the text will give you more insight into what is actually happening. Last time, Orgatorix had made a power play to take control, backed by alliances with Casticus and Dumnorix. Now we discover that somebody snitched. The result is that Orgatorix is brought to trial. A trial in chains and the threat of being burned alive is, like other elements of this narrative, meant by Caesar to paint these people in an uncivilized light. Either intentionally or unintentionally, Caesar is exploiting the blind spot that everyone has for their own in-group. Romans might have been shocked at the barbarism of this type of justice system, conveniently forgetting some of their own barbaric practices, like how they treat vestals who break their vows, or what they do to conquered enemy officers at the end of a triumph, or flinging traitors off the Tarpeian rock, or their strange punishment for patricide, or how they obtain the testimony of slaves, or crucifixion. Many of these barbaric punishments were reserved for non-citizens, which could give away for the Roman mind to ignore their own barbarism and inflate that of the other. But Orgatorix manages to avoid his punishment, and again, Caesar's telling fails to dwell on the details that we would probably want him to spend more time on. Caesar is, after all, writing a commentary of his campaign, not of Helvetian politics, so he's giving you as much backstory as you need to have an enemy and nothing more. You will get exciting battle narratives when the Roman forces are involved, so just hang on. But this leaves you free to imagine what exactly went on as Orgatorix pulls strings and calls in favors to gather more than 10,000 men to come to his aid. And you are free to imagine the Helvetian magistrates' faces as they watch Orgatorix walk free on his trial day in what must have been an epic threat of violence. And you are free to imagine the magistrates' response as they levy troops of their own from the men throughout the countryside and try to take Orgatorix back by force. And you are free to imagine the battle that went on as Orgatorix's supporters fight with the magistrates' conscript forces in a Helvetian civil war. And you are free to imagine the circumstances that led Orgatorix to die by his own hand. Or maybe not. And then despite all that, the Helvetians still go through with the migration plans. After all, it wasn't Orgatorix's original proposal that got him into trouble, it was his minor modifications to that original idea that did him in. When they are ready, like a general sending his horse off the battlefield, the Helvetians and the four tribes they persuade to join them burn all their towns, villages, and extra supplies. There's no going back for them now because they have nothing left to go back to. As we close out the episode, here are some essential questions to consider. What does Caesar suggest about the Helvetians by describing their trial procedures? How do these procedures compare to what you know about Roman judicial methods, both for citizens and for non-citizens? Caesar calls Orgatorix nobilissimus et ditissimus. How is this description emphasized by Orgatorix's actions while arrested? 
Why might Orgatorix have killed himself during the fight? Do you find this story believable or suspicious? Why do the Helvetians choose to continue Orgatorix's plan despite everything that has just happened with him? Why do the Helvetians burn everything that they could not take with them? And why would their neighboring tribes be convinced to do the same? Gratias ago pro auscultando, valete.